welcome to Science to the T. I'm Sky Smith, and whew, sure has been a while. Life has been a lot lately, and I just haven't had the time to sit down long enough to bust one of these out. But now I do, so let's get started. This morning, I'm sipping on a random green tea that I found at the store, and it had really pretty packaging. I totally fell for the gimmick, but it's actually pretty good. I put some honey from wisteria flowers in it, and wow, the flavors really burst. So grab your favorite mug, and let's get going. This week's paper was recently published by Beth Hayes and their team in one of the top-tier peer-reviewed journals called Cell. This paper is all about the creepy-crawly parasitic bugs called ticks and how they secrete an enzyme that kills certain bacteria around them. Gross, right? Well, buckle up, because there's a lot more gross coming your way. <laughs> so first, why would I choose a paper about ticks and bacteria anyway? Well, we know that bacteria are really important for our bodies. The human microbiome, which is all of the bacteria in and on us, helps us digest our food, regulate our immune system, protect against bad bacteria that can cause disease, and even helps us produce important vitamins like vitamin B12, thiamine, riboflavin, and vitamin K. Bacteria have truly shaped the evolution of animal hosts through these interactions, both in a positive and in a negative way. When we look at vector-borne diseases, which are infections transmitted to humans and other animals by blood-feeding anthropods like ticks, we see that a symbiotic partnership between the ticks and their bacteria can make things worse. This is one of the ways ticks can transmit many different microbes and bacteria to their hosts and leads to many diseases such as Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, Powassan virus disease, and many others. Gross, right? That's why it is so important to study the relationships between these nasty bloodsuckers and the bacteria they keep around or don't keep around. This group previously found that the Ixodes scapularis which are black-legged ticks, acquired an antibacterial enzyme from about 40 million years ago from a bacterial gene. What? This enzyme is called the type 6 secretion amidase effector 2, or TAY2 for short. Now, the ticks didn't keep this exact enzyme. Theirs changed a little bit in the past 40 million years <laughs> to what is now called domesticated amidase effector 2, or day two for short. This day two acts like a toxin to break down the cell walls of bacteria. Evolution is wild. So, in English, what does this mean? Well, the ticks might be able to use this toxin that can kill the bacteria around it, and this might not harm itself or the hosts that it attaches to. So, this group wanted to know if day two does just that. First, the researchers compared the structure of day two to tay two and found that while they were pretty similar, these two toxins are different in a few spots. These spots could potentially make day two have more effects on the cell walls of bacteria compared to tay two or be able to target a broader number of bacteria than tay two. So they went straight to testing this hypothesis. The researchers next took day two and tested its ability to kill off bacteria commonly found on human skin. Why would this be important? Well, in theory, 
it would kill off bacteria that could be harmful for the tick and limit their ability to attach to your skin. Ugh, gross. They found that day two was indeed able to kill a wider range of bacteria, including bacteria normally found on human skin. What is really cool about these experiments is that they measured the amount of day two normally found in the salivary glands of these ticks and used that concentration. This is cool because they used an amount of day two that would normally be used by the ticks, not some ridiculously concentrated amount of day two like a lot of people end up doing in their studies. Day two was highly efficient at killing S. epidermis, a bacterium normally found on your skin, and was moderately efficient at killing B. subtilis, which is commonly found in the environment. These differences led the researchers to hypothesize that skin bacteria, which are frequently encountered by feeding ticks, are actually targeted by day two. Wild, right? This toxin changed with the evolution of the tick to better fight off bacteria found on its host. So cool. Next, the researchers wanted to know just how the ticks were using this toxin. Were they able to produce more, or was this a one-time deal? Now, we know that ticks can secrete many different things, such as antimicrobial molecules or host modulating effectors to the bite sites to make sure that they get to finish their meals. But what about day two? The researchers discovered that day two is not only found in the salivary glands of ticks, but it is transferred via the tick's saliva to the host bite site, in this case on mice, and they produce more as they feed. This means that once the tick bites a host, which were mice in this study, they not only secrete day two, but they produce more as they fill up with blood. This is probably to make sure they get to finish their meal. Yuck. Ugh. After this, the researchers wanted to know if disrupting day two could stop the ticks from killing off the bacteria on hosts. That is good science right there. They think that it kills the bacteria, but they want to double check to make sure that it isn't actually something else doing that instead. The researchers performed what is called a knockdown of day two. This makes the ticks have a lot less day two than normal. They also injected the mouse host with an antibody against day two that blocks off any of the day two that the ticks already had in their system before the knockdown. They next allowed the ticks to feed on the mouse host for three days. After three days, they removed the ticks and measured a few things. They measured the amount of host-related bacteria in the ticks and their size and weight. Ticks with less day two had more bacteria in them, were smaller, and weighed less compared to control ticks with normal day two. So these guys with less day two had a harder time attaching and weren't able to feed as much as normal ticks. Together, all of these data suggest that day two is somewhat of a protective mechanism against the host bacteria. Using day two to resist infection from the host bacteria could be important for the survival of ticks during feeding. But is this true? In the final experiments of this paper, the researchers injected ticks with S. epidermis that is normally found on human skin. Now, they injected this bacteria directly into the guts of ticks because day two is also present there normally and probably fights off infection there as well. 
They then measured the amount of this bacteria four hours after injection and found that ticks with less day two had way more of S. epidermis in them. Not only that, but 30 hours after injection, over 60% of the ticks with less day two were dead. This was a huge difference compared to the control, where only about 20% had died. Isn't that wild? This one little toxin is so important for tick feeding and health. So there you have it. Ticks, which are known to carry many diseases that are harmful to humans, are also vulnerable to infection by bacteria found on us. Yay! Thank you for listening to Science to the T. You can submit topic requests to science to the T at gmail.com or through direct message on Instagram at science to the T. Please rate or comment to help make this the best learning experience possible. Tune in next week for another terrific episode. <laughs>